Psalm 24, verse 1 to 10. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this, the king of glory? The Lord almighty, he is the king of glory. Just um, <laughs> sing. Um, we almost um, got there, but let's just sing it to dedicate the next few minutes to Him. You're the name above all Above all, that um, we you'd always find us as a people where the name of Jesus is the the highest and most exalted. We just say, Jesus, you are just the most beautiful, kind, majestic, powerful, loving Savior any of us could ever even know. We give you our hearts afresh. We say we love you so much, Lord. We give you our lives again today. If anybody is here amongst us this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I just want to pray now. And if you join in these prayers, I think there are key moments where we have to respond to God. But actually, we have to live it out in our lives, you know, week after week, month after month. And I'll tell you what, there's no more dangerous and no more glorious thing than to simply respond to Jesus Christ who came and gave his life for you and for me, for the whole planet. And he rose again so that all the darkness and sin and all the muck of our lives could be broken off forever. When he rose from the grave, he began a new family. And a new, uh, he, he brought us back to life, not fully in our bodies, but spiritually. And we're receiving it in our bodies. 
and one day we'll just live with him forever and ever and just tell him how wonderful he is and how worthy he is. So just if anybody's here, you know, I just want to, in fact, I'm going to invite you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, just stand up right now. And, uh, you know, that's not so that we can just point at you and tell you, you know, whatever. But just because it's important to tell everybody and tell the angels who are present that I follow Jesus. Um, so, yeah, wherever you are, just. There's someone being lifted up. Look at her. Father, we just speak to this precious girl being lifted up. She would know how wonderful you are, Father. That a day would not go by that she is apart from you and knowing you love her. And we just speak over our lives and the members of our families who aren't present. May you know the glory and grace and mercy and kindness and light of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that your heart is that none should be lost, none should perish, but all should be saved. And we just speak that over these communities, over our households, over our families, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, a bit about this year we're preparing for glory. And in many ways, the glory of the Lord is amongst us, it's here, but we want more. We want him to transform deeper and further and wider. We're setting out our plate, if you like, you know, on the hill next summer, but actually, you know, we want to prepare well for just the 2030s and 2040s and 2050s. You know, we want what God purposes here to grow and grow and grow. And so I want to talk this morning in such a way, and we haven't got tons of time, but I want to talk because I think what God wants to form in us is such a purity of heart that we're able to handle all that he purposes and all that he wants. You know, and I read my Bible and it says to me that the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus taught, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that when planted grows into the biggest tree in the garden. If you've ever seen a mustard tree, it grows to a certain height. What Jesus was talking about, it grows, it grows sideways. So it goes out everywhere. And Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of how many nations? All the nations. And then he said, after a couple of hundred years, things will sort of fade off. And, <laughs> you know, uh, and then you know, you'll hit the dark ages. And then, you know... Uh, There'll be this, and by the time you get to the 21st century, you know, postmodern secularism is way too difficult, so just hold on to the end, you know, and you'll be fine, and um, I'll pluck you out of darkness, and no. He said, go and make disciples of every nation, in every generation, and that the kingdom would expand and expand, and he, and he said that there would be trials and tribulations. You know, one of the most beautiful promises of Jesus is that all nations will hate you because of me. But at the same time, then his glorious light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And what's interesting, when there is hostile persecution to the gospel, it does the opposite to the aim of the persecution. The church always grows quicker and faster and stronger. You know, I wasn't alive, but I read the books that in like the 1940s, you would never have said that communist China 
could have almost one in five Chinese people, of which there are billions, born again. I mean, it's just, you know, it's stunning what God is doing. But what happens is we tend to think of how God works as seasonal. So he works for a time, then it dies off, then he works for a time. And um, someone called George Santayana said, he or she who ignores history is bound to repeat it. He or she who ignores history is bound to repeat it. And why isn't the gospel in our nation really flourishing? We've seen some amazing moves of God. But we're in this funny position where, I don't know, I'm just like ready for heaven this morning with Luke and the guys. But, but, and yet, society and culture is, is doing this. And we need a reformation, a, a renaissance, a revival, whatever R word you want to put on it. We need a change. So why have some of the powerful moves of God faded off? And how can we learn from that and set ourselves to go further and higher? And we will get to Psalm 24, but I just want to give you a few reflections on um, just, I think, what we were thinking about during our sabbatical, which is what are the heart characteristics necessary in leaders to sustain a long-term move of God? Because if God wants his kingdom to grow from a mustard seed into being just everywhere, or like yeast in the batch, if he wants all nations to be discipled, then the problem of growth of the kingdom is not on God's side, is it? Is it? And um, although at times we can feel the ferocity of the one who's defeated, the enemy, is he on a level with God? Is he? No, he's defeated, and he only operates in deceit and lies. So where's the problem? The problem is our hearts, isn't it? You know, and um, uh, we'll get to Psalm 24 in a minute, but the background to Psalm 24 is King David is trying to get the Ark of the Covenant, which is the location of the glory of God on earth, back to where God really wanted it, which was to be in the city of God's people in Jerusalem. And so David takes all of his um, men, his mighty armies, and he goes down to collect the Ark of the Covenant. And they're moving forward. They're, they're heading back to Jerusalem, get the glory of God, the location, the presence of God in the place where it's meant to be. And then they hit a bump in the road. And if you know the story, um, the Ark slips, and Uzziah, one of the priests, reaches out his hand, and he tries to stop it from falling. Very sensible, very kind, very generous. But as soon as he touches the Ark of the Covenant, what happens to him? He's killed. And they all get freaked out. And so they leave the Ark of the Covenant in the local cottage nearby, local tenant farmer, uh, Obed-Edom. And he has the Ark for a few years. And because he's got the location of the glory of God, what happens is his whole household and the whole house is so blessed because God is there. Now, the Lord is just doing so much, and I feel like I just want, want to share a few things just briefly this morning, because I just want to handle what God is doing so carefully, and not be clumsy and sensible and rational like Isaiah, and just say, oh, it must be, do this with it. 
because I think we want God to grow more powerfully and strongly amongst us. But in his kindness, he kind of does that in such a way he doesn't really want to kill us. <laughs> and so I just want to share a few reflections just on, on just observations of church history very, very briefly. And Mark, just from the title of our sabbatical, if we could just have the slide up. You know, what are the heart characteristics in leaders necessary to sustain a long-term move of God? So, you know, we've got our precious babies down here, haven't we? I mean, I really wanting us to position them, not to have had a glorious 2020, but in 2050, you know, our grandchildren are just absolutely on fire, you know, changing a nation. That's the kind of, you know, what we want to do. So how can we position ourselves? And I've put the word leaders up there because we're in a leadership meeting on Wednesday and we were talking about, for us as a church, we have a, a roundabout on a conservative weekend at the moment, about 350 people showing up to worship. And what if we could grow together in such a way that all 350 were perfectly positioned, whether you're a doctor or a postman, a teacher, you stay at home, you lecture, whatever it is, all 350 could just be put, put in the kingdom incubator and positioned to lead 350. And then they put them in the incubator and they led 350. And that's how you change a nation, isn't it? So I just want to share this, you know, even if you're not running a church, maybe you will at some point. And we'll come back to that, that at the end. And so my first reflection comes from, and these are all just picked out two or three from our country. John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, who I always remind us, went to his grave as an Anglican. Because John Wesley, John the beauty of John Wesley was two things. One, it was powerful preaching up and down the land. And as he preached, there were signs and wonders. People were transformed. And he was speaking at a very dark time when some of the downsides of the Industrial Revolution were hitting 18th century Britain. And he, he covered thousands of miles, and he preached the gospel. Hundreds of thousands of people were saved. And what he did is he formed them into clubs, holy clubs called Methodist societies. And they operated within the structure of the established church. And it was basically training boot camp. Have you got to go already? <laughs> How long have we got? We need to short circuit. Anyway. raise your grandchildren, but you don't get to hear any of the words. <laughs> um, and uh, Anyway, long story short, Wesley went to his grave as an Anglican, and it was his followers afterwards who formed the Methodist movement. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do, but what happened is, in their heart, they looked at the established religion of the day in the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church, and they thought, oh my goodness, that is revolting to the nostrils of the Lord. And they went off to form yet another denomination. In their hearts, they feared religion. And so they set off to be the real church in independence. And so again, wrote into the spiritual history of our nation yet another nail in the heart of John chapter 17, which is church unity. 
Uh, what I'm not saying is that everybody has to be an Anglican. I'm part of the Church of Jesus. This is just the, the family that God has placed us in. But the Lord wants us in our hearts not to judge or fear or make religious practice, which is, as Paul says to Timothy, a form of godliness without its power, and to place that higher than what the presence and the glory of the Lord can transform. You know, in, in our church, the Church of England, this diocese has been historically known as the Dead Sea. Nothing grows, which I think is probably explains why you've had so many vibrant free churches in this part of the world. Now, if I read my Bible, Ezekiel 47 describes the living water Jesus will release. And when living water comes from the temple and it hits the stagnant water, what happens? It transforms it into living water. And so deep in our hearts, as we look at religious practice, we have to look at it not with judgment, but with eyes of faith to believe what God really wants to do. You know, and as we've been just interacting with different, you know, we had our first vision leaders evening uh, for South Downs. And at half time, this um, one of my brothers, who's an Anglican, gave me both barrels at half time. You know, young, immature, well, uh, all of that, you know. Anyway. When you meet, when someone comes in like this and you do that back to them, what happens? You just have an elbow fight, don't you? You know, nobody wins. But by the time he went home, he flung his arms around and he said, the sense of love and acceptance and unity and joy means that I'm going to tell all of my colleagues they need to get involved in this. say one two other other things Um, Evan Roberts catalyzed the Welsh revival and he used to go into church and he would just get on his knees and he would wail for hours that people would be saved people would be transformed and you know in a couple of years about 100,000 people were saved in Wales they changed the social fabric of the nation but after about seven or eight years Evan Roberts fell to the seduction of celebrity because someone got in his ear and started telling him you're amazing you're so anointed we need to protect you from everybody else you know let, come to my house come and stay with me you're just the most amazing you know person and what happened is he went into seclusion after about seven or eight years because he fell to the seduction of being the anointed one you know Think about our lives. You know, if we're really to see real change, there'll be a seduction of success that comes. And we have to be strong in our hearts to say, no, you know what, there is one name that's going to be lifted up. And you can tell me how great I am, but probably also people will tell me how terrible I am, because I don't care, the eyes of my heart are fixed on Jesus. And you can throw the riches of the world, but I will not sacrifice that there is a pearl of great price that I will give my life to. And I just think we can learn from this stuff, not to be brought off course, or not to, not to lose, lose the plot. Um, 
perhaps some of us here could talk of the litany of pride and control that snarls up churches that are doing really well. And it's always about individual hearts, isn't it? Now, what happens is, when we don't walk in surrender to the presence of God, then we have to use earthly, fleshly ways to assert our means. It's actually a form, in many ways, of witchcraft. It's using coercion and manoeuvring to achieve our goals. It's what happened when uh, Philip went down to Samaria. We read it in the book of Acts, chapter 8. And Simon the sorcerer, who was counted as one of the believers, but hadn't had his life cleaned up, he looks at the power being carried by the apostles, and he basically looks at the, the power they're carrying, and he says, I want that, because he is, in his heart, addicted to the, the stuff they'll get done, or the power that it, give, it, it would give him. You know, and I, I just think, guys, you know, let's just learn to just sow in unity. You know, and you're, you are so magnificent with this, but I tell you what, you know, any chinks in the armor, the enemy looks around and he wants to poke and to get us to hold on to a grievance and to get us to misinterpret somebody and then bang, you know, something is harbored in our heart and it either takes the Lord ages to unravel it or it leads to this. You know, let's be a people who, number one, recognize that if something's going to grow, it's going to grow by the presence of the Lord. By getting the ark in Obed-Eden. We want to be a place where he finds it attractive to dwell. And that never comes on bitterness or unforgiveness or hard-heartedness or coercion. It just doesn't. And so can we, deep in the bones of this church, wherever the Lord takes us, resist that at all costs. Hold one another to our account. And say we will not go down that line. Because we want our hearts to be prepared to sustain and enhance and increase what God wants to do. Is that alright? Okay. Psalm 24 basically has three sections to it, which I think will help us. The first section reminds us that the whole thing is about God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Who here owns their own house? Okay. Let's try that again. The earth is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So who do the houses belong to? Yeah, he might he might have put your name on temporary ownership, but as my father in law says, your last shirt doesn't have any pockets in it. Don't take it with us, do we? It's just stuff. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And what that means is the ministry is the Lord's. You at work is the Lord's. He has a brilliant plan, far better than we could possibly come up with. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's the one who knew that postmodern secularism would be something that we just had to sort of brush aside in the early decades of the 21st century. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, I mean, it's just so humbling when you, you hear that you just say, listen, guys, we're just organizing a little walk. We just want to get together and just cry out for more of God. 
And, and people say, we've been praying for this for two generations. And, and that's because God is preparing a way. He's making a way because it's his and it belongs to him. And so let us hold on to what God is doing with the lightest of touch because it belongs to him anyway. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The one with clean hands and a pure heart. You know, we spent a year last year discovering the deeper depths of how wonderful our Father is. Discovering his love and his kindness and his intimacy. I'll tell you what, every time I'm brought into closeness with the Father, he always begins to show me more and higher and take me further. Because now, what he's doing is he's healing my heart, he's showing me his love, and now he's saying, okay, you can come up here. And then I think, how could I ever possibly go up there doing that, or speaking like that, or thinking like this? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I just think it's not a case of not being saved. It's not a case of not being recognized by the Lord and our status is holy. But he's forming in us pure hearts so that we're able to ascend higher and higher and higher. You know, David and his gang, when they're bringing the ark back, every five or six steps, they had a worship service and they killed tons of animals. They've got in loads of trouble in our society. <laughs> and... And they basically said, if we're going to get the presence of the Lord back where it should be, we're going to have to take very careful steps and prepare ourselves and come at this with reverence and awe and fear and trembling. Not because he hates us, but just because this is a holy thing that we're doing. What if every five or six steps, you and I in our lives stopped and we looked up and we said, I love you, Jesus. Your, my life is yours. I belong to you. Every six steps, every three steps, every step of the day, that we just stopped and we worshipped. And we said, actually, is the thought that I'm having pleasing in your sight? Is the words that I've just said pleasing in your sight? That we just flow in step with his presence in every moment and every day. And then when they finally returned, uh, as they reached Jerusalem, they sang this incredible song. Those who were in the city were up on the walls and they were saying, who's the king of glory? And down below they're saying, get the gates ready, lift up the gates. We've got the king of glory coming. And they say, who is this king of glory? And they say, and they'd respond back to them from the ones who are carrying. He's the Lord, he's strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. He is the king of glory. Lift up you ancient gates. And I... I feel like um, God is calling us into a place where we look at ancient things. We recognize that we stand on the shoulders of generations who prayed, who may not be calling to us now, saying, is the king of glory coming? Who is he? But we look at ancient things and we see it and we say, we're going to get the glory of God in that place. And we're speaking to it now in prayer. And we're saying, be lifted up, you ancient doors, because the king of glory is coming in. And th that is what is calling us to as a people as we prepare for more and more of him. And I think I've probably run out of time. Do I have a bit more time?
thing we need to have because I want to minister to my neighbor. And what I'd like to do is to call forth uh, those who feel called to lead in the kingdom. And I, I'm a church man, so I just, I'm excited for those who are called to be church leaders. But I'm also excited for those who are called to lead in their work, to lead in their business, to lead in school, to lead at home, which could be us all, but God is particularly calling us to leadership. And even now as I'm speaking, there's just like a confirmation and a tingling going on in your hearts. I want to pray for that. I want to pray for the intercessors this morning, for those who are going to be called into a ministry of prayer and intercession. And what I'd like to do this morning is to basically release two things. I'd like to release you and I'd like to say, God, come and do more than all we can ask or imagine. But I just have had it in my heart in worship where Peter looked at the lame uh, man and where callings or dreams or visions have been become cobbled that Peter looked at the lame man in Acts chapter 3 and he says, I haven't got any silver or gold. What I do have, boom, I'm going to give you. So we're just going to fill you with fire. I'm going to pray that they just get released this morning. So um, I don't know if that's uh, a clear brief. <laughs> but I just want to say now, it's just leadership in the kingdom. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you in a minute, who's in church and who's outside church? Leadership in the kingdom, get down the front on the right-hand side as you look at the front. And intercessors on the left-hand side as you look at the front. And we're just going just gonna to pray over you this morning. So... If that, so, Lord, Lord, get us ready. <laughs> I pray that what's of me would you embed, and what hasn't been of me, let it fall away. But get us ready for all that you have for us, and for more and more of your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think we're going to have some um, healing team, church staff, um, anyone running a home group um, who isn't receiving prayer, then just come out here to the front and um, we're going to minister this morning. I also just want you to look around to see who's responding to what, because we need to make the divine connections and we need to discover, okay, Who's got this heart? Who's this? Who's that? Let's just push chair back, chairs back, shall we? Uh, let's stack in threes if we need to. And um, we're just going to prepare. Um, can we do that? Just come. If you're down here at the front, just take a few steps forward if you can. Just do a mini like helicopter with your hands just so we can get through you. Um, just. Where's the diviner? Intercessors, hands up. Yeah, great. Or both. <laughs> okay. Let's just push some chairs back. Just let's all help with that, just so people can push through. 
going to speak to all that is in fetal form now and just say in the name of Jesus, would you be birthed? Ooh, would you be birthed in the name of Jesus? This is the time. This is the season. Would you be birthed in the name of Jesus? Come Holy Spirit. Spirit, just fall on our friends, fall on our friends, fall on these precious men and women of God. More of you, Lord, 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 in the name of Jesus. <laughs> 